Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, a weekly podcast doused in alcohol and lit with knowledge. Clinkies! Hello. Hi. What's up, everybody? Welcome to We Drink and We Know Things, the podcast. I'm Andrea. I'm Tom. And this is episode... 28 of 28. What's good? OMG. Yeah, yeah. We are fastly approaching episode 30, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I think. It's exciting times. Yeah. I tell Andrea a story she's not familiar with. She tells me that a story that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. And we are drinking... You know what it is. The same shit we always drink. Goddamn Franzia. Back yeah. on it, man. We no, did good for so long. We did. And now we're back we took after a break it. from Franzia for a yeah. little while, but we're back on it. Yeah. I'm drinking out of a mug that says, I like his beard. Thanks. Because we have another one that, and it says, I like her butt. <laughs> and we got them for our wedding, I mm-hmm. think. They're pretty cute. Yeah, they're cute. My last story was a doozy. Yeah, there were 3,000 people in it. <laughs> there was a lot of buddies. Mm-hmm. There were many buddies. Or bil- Billy. Billies. Billy there was, there was a buddy, but there were more Billies yes. than buddies. Yes, there was. Yeah. But I hope everybody enjoyed it. I went second on that one. Therefore, I go first I think this you, time. I think you're going first this time, man. You want to just go ahead and get into it? Anything you want to bring up? Anything you want to talk about? I guess I'll go ahead and get you into it. You want to go ahead and then. just dive in? Yeah. All right, word, let's do it. All right. So, I'm going to tell you about a couple uh, that goes by the names of Kimberly and Stephen Hurtko. 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 It's like very, it's it's spelled so weird. It's capital H-R-I-C-K-O. And cool. it's pronounced Hurtko. So, as per the huge in a story like this, I'm going to give you a little background. Sounds good. Let's do it. Kimberly was born in 1965 and she had a really tough childhood. She didn't have a good relationship with her father, and then eventually her mother and father ended up getting a divorce, and her mother ended up remarrying, and according to a friend of Kim's, it was said that her stepdad apparently abused her. Oh, fuck. I don't really know the exact kind of abuse, like, um, I don't think it was sexual, but it but it was never really stated, you know, but it, it obviously wasn't good. But beyond a troubling, not exactly ideal childhood, Kim was someone that everybody liked. She was appreciated. She was warm, a a very bubbly person with an outgoing personality. But as one documentary I watched said, which I found to be so fucking stupid, was that, quote, she was on the heavier side and didn't have very many boyfriends. Ah, fuck you guys. Like, a total frat boy even... a, a total frat boy was right. like either the producer or director of that shit stupid a friend of hers she did... was portly so yeah, okay. she had less value good for her oh, fuck what off. the fuck ever in the mid 80s kim met steve Hricko. you know what's really funny what i'm gonna tell a story today about a guy named steve as well really just as a side yeah hmm. well they met while they were both attending college at penn state they were introduced by friends because the people who knew them both felt like they were kind of in the same situation and that they would end up being a good match. Because I guess Steve also was kind of didn't really have a lot of girlfriends, you know. This ended up being a really amazing match and they fell deeply in love. Congratulations, guys. Good for you guys. So Stephen Hritko, who went by Steve, was born November 22nd, 1962 
despite being a very large man at about 240 pounds and 6'4", okay. and he was a standout high school football defensive lineman, he was a shy and reserved guy. Gentle giant. He was literally what I was about to say. He was You're described <laughs> as a gentle giant. Nice. Good for him. Kim loved this about Steve, and I assume it was a very appealing trait to her, that of his seeing that she didn't have any good male relationships or boyfriends growing up. Mm -hmm. And Kim really felt loved by Steve, and he respected Kim, and she felt like he could really take care of her. So it was really nice all around, you know? Nice. Steve worked long hours as a local greenskeeper at a golf course, and Kim... Um, worked full-time as a surgical technician at a hospital in Silver Springs, Maryland. Nothing wrong with it, getting money. They then eventually had a daughter together named Anna. They lived in a middle-class suburb, and neighbors said that Kim was a volunteer child advocate in uh, area court systems and was often seen taking her daughter to soccer games. And then something else that I watched, it was said that she was literally described as like the perfect soccer mom and actually coached her daughter's soccer team. Oh, that's awesome. Kim had a lot of loyal girlfriends, which she spent a lot of time with. They went bar hopping and shopping and Steve and Kim had purchased a town home together. And from what neighbors said, Kim and Steve seemed very happy and down to earth. Nice. All right. Normal folk. Just yeah. normal folk doing normal things. Right. Living their lives. That's totally. They're not. They're, not, they're not married yet. They're just. No, they. Are, yeah. Oh, they're married. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. This is. I kind of just skipped through. They're you know married, have a kid, now they have a town. They're living a house. They Making own. moves. I you fucking know. get it. Yeah. Good for so them. now we're gonna fast forward a little bit. The first seven years of their marriage, everything seemed to be going great, and going their way, and they both seemed very happy and in love. But around this time is when some cracks in the relationship began to happen. Damn. That's seven year crack <laughs> gotta get you every time that damn seven year crack so something that is said in a lot of the documentaries that i watch and things i listen to is that sometimes when a woman is coming out of a cycle of abuse and into like a comforting relationship it can make them feel uncomfortable and it can feel boring because they're like used to chaos Oh man, I fuck. I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure that's true for humans. Like not just sure. women. I'm sure that's, I'm, yeah, that's I'm probably sure. a thing for this dudes too. This is just too, something right? that uh, was quoted by psychologists in yeah. a few of the things, you know, that I watched, and I just kind of wanted to make a note of that. So she got bored. I don't know. So <laughs> you think with Kim being a part of the hospital community, she had a lot of relationships with people with a higher lifestyle, people with fancy cars, Bougie and clothes. Ass it's so funny that you said that because the word bougie is in this sentence somewhere. <laughs> I'm just stealing your whole shit. You are. Uh, so fancy cars and clothes. And she really enjoyed the social life that came with hanging out in that crowd that she otherwise probably wouldn't have had access to. <laughs> okay. I'm, you know, I'm sure it was like a lot of doctors picking up tabs. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. was out with that crowd. And Kimmy, go ahead and get you them mozzarella sticks. It's happy hour. Come I literally wrote, and country clubs and other bougie bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you already know. <laughs> Steve did not have a high opinion of the highbrow crowd because of working as the superintendent of groundskeeping at Blue man. Baltimore Country Club golf course, as I said. Mm -hmm. he was so not, he probably, honestly, probably has a lower opinion of well, like well-to-do folk right. because they, they go to country it's clubs. It's funny because I guess she was working with those highbrow people, uh -huh. whereas he was maybe working more for. Sure. So he sure. it was probably, you know, it's different. Mm -hmm. When you're like 
a nurse or a whatever working at a doctor's office, you still feel a sense of like the same. Maybe like a sense of wonder for their their well to do ness, whereas he sees. The well, and she's probably still feeling like she's equal. Like, yeah. well, I have a you know, yeah. I'm I'm one too, and then he, it's he probably feels like. I'm fucking mowing the lawns for these bougie ass golfers. Mm-hmm. So great, it's probably great like, gig, whatever, though, by the way. Right? Great gig, yeah. A lot of lawn, a lot of lawn <laughs> to mow at a, at a fucking golf course. So Steve was not someone who would pretend to have things that he didn't have. I like Steve. Luxury wasn't a big priority to re- him. I think I'm gonna regret saying that, but I like Steve. And so he far. was a total family man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At this point in their lives, Kim felt she was very outgoing, and Steve was an introvert, and she told friends and family. That they were no longer compat- compatible to her. Compatible. Compatible. She would, no longer compatible <laughs> or simpatico, buddy. She would always bring up divorce with her friends Oof. and say that he needed to make improvements and fix himself. And that was something hard that... Working, hard working family man. Come on, Kim. Well, that was something that he took to heart because I guess she was obviously open with him about how much she wanted him to fix himself and do sure. this and be better about this. And rah, rah, rah. And that was something that he actively started to work on to make himself feel like he was making her happy and doing things for her, you know? Well, the strain on their marriage began to get so bad that Kim actually ended up asking Steve for a divorce. I'm sorry, Steve. was very upset and did not want this divorce at all. He vowed to do anything he could to keep the marriage together, and they even actually started to see a marriage counselor. I feel like my man Steve... (laughs) <laughs> I feel like my man Steve is doing his best over here. I'm on team Steve. I'm going to regret it because you always fuck with me with this shit. But, but I'm on true. team. It's totally true. It's not true. I'll be like, I think this is a good guy. And it's like two minutes later. Then he severed the heads <laughs> off of seven children in, in the preschool while oh, the teacher watched. No, no th- stay tuned though. Uh, I just think that I, I regret. I don't, I'm, I'm upset with this. Yeah. I think Steve's doing his best, man. Yeah. I guess last episode you, you really liked buddy. That didn't go well, huh? I liked Buddy initially <laughs> until he murdered oh, someone. Buddy. <laughs> Come on, Buddy. You haven't listened, dude. Go. Spoiler: back. He kills somebody. Tom. <laughs> what the fuck are you listening to? Twenty eight and skipping twenty seven. Okay, true. Okay, so by late winter, which was around February of nineteen ninety eight, at this point, Steve was feeling a I was little 10 bit ten years old. Oh, Sorry, I would have been nine. Yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. (laughs) Steve was feeling more upbeat and better about the relationship and called his best friend, Mike Miller, who was married to Maureen Miller. They were actually... (laughs) Y'all got a lot of M's. There's a lot of... House of M over here. Mike and Maureen Miller. They were actually the couple who set Their kid is Miles Morales. Sorry. That's (laughs) a stupid tension. I'm sorry. It's fine. That's Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. Did I get that right? You got it right. right. Yeah, it's Spider-Man. They were actually the couple that set Steve and Kim up back in college. Okay. So he calls up Mike and asked him if he could help him plan something for the special upcoming Valentine's Day. And I I, I heard back and forth that, because obviously I listen to a lot of things and I watch a lot of things about these topics because mm-hmm. I want to get multiple mm-hmm. views and mm-hmm. stuff. And I think the main thing that I saw was that Mike suggested, suggested, sure, sure, suggested sure. a romantic getaway and... Between the two of them, somehow they figured out this special Valentine's weekend together. I don't know. Good for them. So Kim agrees to this, and they end up leaving for the Valentine's Day weekend to a small waterfront community resort in St. Michael's, which offered a romantic getaway for couples to play golf and Mm -hmm. tennis 
Mm-hmm. And sounds golf sounds super romantic to me. As and well. tennis. And tennis. <laughs> hey, babe, I love you. Let's go. Uh, let's go knock some balls around. Well, let's get dressed up and it go gets knock. Y'all, more that's so bougie. Because there was also while they were there, they were going to get to see a murder mystery show that had audience participation. Oh, and in this one, Steve gets killed. Which, Sorry. Um, it was said as like a fun way for amateur sleuths to test their skills and get involved. And actually, it sounds like a fucking amazing yeah, it time to fun. me. That sounds like something you would totally like, sign us up for. Oh. And I'd be grumpy as fuck until the minute we got there. And I'm like, actually, I think I know who did it. <laughs> as I was like researching this, when the minute murder mystery dinner came up, I was like, oh my God, I need to Google it in our oh, town yeah. and see if we have it. Cause yeah. Anybody living in Louisville? Do we have a murder mystery? Let me know. I think there's some. I think there's I like a train ride. I think there's so one, like in. a train ride, but it's like ex- super expensive. Yeah. Oh, you go on like a like a it's like a who done it but you're on a train and it's in Kentucky. Okay, uh local Louisville who done it sponsor us, please. Come on. We'll talk all about it. <laughs> so, the first hour of this show of this murder mystery show is usually I'm I'm kind of jumping to they're at, they're at the resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. We don't need to talk about their tennis skills and their golf skills. Sure. The murder mysteries. Obviously, the coolest part of the weekend, right? The first hour of this murder mystery show is usually a cocktail hour, and the actors are more open and kind of showing more obvious, suspicious stuff, Mm -hmm. and the audience can begin to see maybe who might be the bad guys and motives. You know, it's sort of like a a cocktail hour of before the show that shows. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kim and Steve were seated actually next to a real-life prosecutor and his date who was a probation officer. Uh, He's like, I'm going to see through this whole fucking thing. Right after the show started, Kim just kind of jumped right up and introduced herself to the people around her. And she was super excited and active. And, you know, she was really into it. This was probably a good idea. And she was really trying to figure out what was going on and who was going to be the one that committed the crime and... Da, da 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 you know that sounds like a really sweet time that's like a wholesome time that's gonna end really badly i don't know why you would think that yeah because it's, it's our I podcast thought, i mean you don't think i'm just gonna be like and then they got back together and that was the end of the story oh, that'd be really cool like if we just like didn't prepare anybody and we just came in with like just an actual like <laughs> no climax story Aww. things got rocky and then they fixed it <laughs> no one died so this murder mystery dinner was about a bride who secretly poisoned her husband at a mafia-style wedding. Oh. It was called The Bride Who Cried. Very fucking clever over here. So clever. It ends up being... The the groom ends up drinking poison champers and, like, keels over. Damn. I hope she got a fat estate off of that, because there's a lot to lose. Okay, so... The evening was a success, and Kim was actually... The one to figure out who the murderer was. She was so hype, and I'm pleased for that. I hope she had a good time. I think at one point she even like walked out and followed one of the actors and was like, "It was that did it." And he was like, "Yeah, you figured that out quick." Like she was very into it and figured she it out. Re- she read the spoilers online. <laughs> she went to Yelp and just figured you out already like, know who yeah. the thing was. She read every like bad review. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so after this murder mystery dinner. Steve and Kim went back to their hotel room where Kim found Steve to be super sloppy drunk and he wanted to have sex. I think Steve's earned it. He's had through a murder mystery with you. 
He planned it. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> he didn't want to do it. I'm sure it's just a bride killing the groom. Yeah. Is just so such a turn on. <laughs> Before this weekend, though, Kim had told Steve that she did not want to have sex and she she was she wanted to just have a close, fun weekend. So when he began to drunkenly ask for sex, they got into an argument and Come she on, was Steve, like, you sweet boy. fuck you, Steve, and left and decided to go apparently do some errands and drive around. In the middle of last night. It's dark. It's it's late. And aren't they like out of town? Yeah. She got errands out of town? Uh, maybe, maybe she wanted a, a cola. She wanted <laughs> to go get her a Bud Light. I don't know. So she ends up driving around and gets lost. And when are we? 90s? 80s? 89, I think? Wait, year? You want to know Yeah, year? when are we right now? Yeah. 98? 98. So yeah, GPS, not not so much a thing. Oh yeah, she's not like, Siri, tell me how to get yeah. home. Yeah. I'd, I'd never get my fucking ass anywhere. With, oh yeah, you're really good Oh my God. Whew. So... Kim gets back to the hotel around 1.30 a.m. Okay. Where she sees flames and smoke coming from their hotel room. Oh, you just gave me the fucking alibi. She fucking... What happened? So I suppose in a panic, she heads to the front desk. As opposed to going to the room? Well, it's on fire. She sees the rooms on... You, just, you said she sees fire. She, the room's on fire. Flames and smoke. Something's on fire. She, Something's on fire. She so, didn't go. I, Elaine Phillips, who was working at the hotel, she had just finished her work for the night. Okay. When she sees a woman coming to the door, headed to the front desk, <laughs> Kim immediately comes. It's this is Kim who she sees. She comes to the front desk and says, "My room is on fire." <laughs> <laughs> As you do. <laughs> she was apparently pretty calm, and not really saying anything and. Well, I just smoked like, a bunch of weed with a couple of actors from a murder mystery. And so, hey, um, yeah, could I get some extra towels and some shampoo? Oh, oh, oh my room is also on fire. I'm going to need a couple of bottles of water. My room is on fire. Is, is your bar open? Oh, my oh, my room is on fire. Oh, can I get another room? <laughs> so as soon as uh, the people who were at the front desk, which was this Elaine woman and somebody else, they go outside and they could tell something was burning, obviously. Gee, and the fire... Seemed to be getting pretty intense, and Elaine could see Steve lying face up on the floor in the room. Yeah, well, they see where the fire is coming from, so they run to the room. Okay, okay. Because she's like, "My room is on fire." Hey, my room is on fire. Is the room? Hey, let me ask you: if the room is on fire, but what about the roof? My roof. Was the roof? No, my room. My room. My room is on fire. That's what she did. We don't need a water. Burn. Okay, no. Serious. Oh, how's that? That's too how's crispy. That a, okay. So Elaine sees this fire going, obviously, through the room. She sees Steve lying face up on the floor mm. in this room, mm. surrounded by empty beer bottles and an open pack of cigars. Oh, Steve, what'd you do, bro? His face is burnt, and he's obviously beyond help. Wait, and what? They find him, and they... I don't. I. I. It's, I don't know if they actually pull him out or if they just go yeah. in. It's wild she how the little details. Apparently, Kim didn't go in, but Elaine, not married to Steve, whatever, and she. She realizes that he's on. Fi- he's on fire, and he's burnt, okay. and that he is 
Mm-hmm. Burnt from the waist up. Okay. And there's just, okay, no, what do we do? Let's call him. He just burned his shit sure. from the waist up. You know, like, there's you, nothing they can do, obviously. There's a man dead. who's like burnt. She, they can't help him. It's their smoke, yada, yada, whatever. They call 911, right? Right. Please come. Okay. Well, Mike and Maureen Miller, who were the close friends, okay. they get a call in the middle of the night right after this happens. Can you imagine? Something has happened and Kim need, is requesting Mike's presence. As the police get there and they start there looking at the scene and whatever, it appears that Steve was drinking heavily, reading a Playboy magazine and smoking <laughs> oh, cigars. Oh, no, Steve. And he fell asleep and set himself on fire. St- I mean. Also, who reads a Playboy magazine? People before Pornhub. You look at a Playboy magazine. No, no there's read like. read the fucking no, there's, articles. Playboy's not just like smut. There's like, it's like. There's articles. It's not. It wasn't just a raw porno mag. Playboy was like the original, like Maxim magazine. Like there's, yeah, there's pictures of women and stuff, but there's also like articles, and they're very, they're very. And you read a lot of Playboy in your time. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say I've read a Playboy. No, I went what... into Playboy thinking it was gonna be something, and I came out knowing. Uh, how to take three strokes off my golf game. Ooh-wee, look at me. Oh, I thought you were going to do something so Ooh-wee, dirty. look at me. I'm no, Mr. Meese. You were like to take three strokes off of a... <laughs> what? Off your what? Three strokes off of my... Off your golf game? Golf game. Because you golf boy. so much. Wow, I'm right. a huge golfer. Maybe avid I should... golfer. I don't even think I've ever held a golf club. And I'm going golfing. On this bachelor party. I'm going party. golfing on this bachelor party. Maybe that was just code for reading... Porno Playboy. mags. I don't I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, Playboy was also it was like a variety magazine like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I knew Playboy. it had articles and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Playboy. So he could have been reading something. He could have been reading something. The main Sorry. thing to focus on here. Uh I think it is. So prosecutor Robert Dean says that it all So there's a prosecutor. Like so. well, yeah, whatever. It all looked like a terrible accident and said it was immediately viewed as a smoker's accident. And that's the same thing way the police viewed it, right? I'm just, I'm sorry. to I don't mean to keep stopping you, but like the idea of like a middle-aged blue collar dude who works his ass off. He actually was only 35 at this time. So. Okay. Well, middle Four years older adjacent. than you. Are you middle-aged? Getting, getting there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that the way that it happened was he was smoking cigars, reading Playboys, drunk as fuck on a vacation with his wife. I'm just well, saying she, like well, that. She, she was like, I don't want to have sex. And he peaced out and he was like, well, I'm going to fucking smoke my cigars I'm gonna get more and read my up. Playboy. I'm going to str- learn about my stroke. That's how a lot of <laughs> that's how a lot of dudes would genuinely like to go. Out. Yeah, he couldn't like go- he couldn't pull up. Pornhub, so he just yeah. went to the Playboy. Which yeah. I'm like, did he bring the Playboy? Yeah, he brought or the was Playboy. did the did the hotel oh, no, uh, she, like provide yeah. the Playboy? Uh-huh. Or like they were on the way and when she they were on the she road trip. Didn't they were the on Playboy. the road trip when she told him that they weren't having sex and he was like, Okay, well we need gas. I'm gonna run to this gas station really quick. You remember <laughs> when gas stations used to sell porno mags and they would just be like I guess covered he just up? was like Playboy, oh, beer, shit, cigars. I guess I'll grab one. Give me, give me, yeah, let me get one of these cigars. Give me a forty and a cigar. <laughs> give me a cigarello. In fact, it's gonna be a late night. Like oh crazy. Jesus. Okay. So, the Millers rush there to check on Kim. I I think it wasn't like super. It Y'all was away, but it wasn't like super far away. Yeah. You know. So he's so, dead, right? They, he just doa. Dead on entering the room. Not on. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah. Sure. So the Millers rush to check on Kim. 
obviously expecting her to be fucking hysterical, where the police said she was super upset, but the Millers found she was the exact opposite. Serene. Maureen took Kim home and said she was very distant and cold. And she said that the whole way home, she or, or when she got there to take her home, Kim was saying, I've got to get out of here and go home. I've got to get out of here. And she seemed to be really angry more than anything. <sighs> to me, that's not like... I think that like moment right when a motherfucker dies... Like, that's when you figure out who did it, you know, like. Well, okay, so something that. Also, have, Steve's not a motherfucker. I'm sorry, Steve. Something you have to keep in mind. Everybody deals with grief differently. Sure, everybody deals with shock or loss differently, especially in the moment after. Yeah, okay. And I think it's often harped on in a lot of these true crime stories. Like, she wasn't crying she laughed mm-hmm. at the funeral mm-hmm. or he smiled, you know, especially with the Scott Peterson case, which I will cover at some That's point. probably a poster child for what you're talking about right here. Like his reaction to the stress. Was it the way that it was supposed to be? And wow. that is something okay. that is should to me shouldn't be a thing. You don't know how someone's feeling or how they're going to deal with it. That's just same. Like some people fucking laugh when they're uncomfortable i'm glad she didn't laugh though just as a side right uh but, uh, but maybe, i totally get where you're coming anger from yeah. was more of something that she wanted yeah. to that she was feeling maybe she was angry at herself because she wasn't there human i don't know man. it's it's Humans. all very weird yeah, and it also to me on the outside doesn't seem like shock but who knows right right so, i don't i certainly don't know well mike miller the friend his grief quickly turns to suspicion He's the homie. Mm-hmm. He's Steve's like homie. Yes, because okay. the Good police you, told him that the fire was started from Steve carelessly smoking a cigar. But Mike was like, Steve doesn't smoke. Mike has been best friends with Steve since they were in the seventh grade. Oh, you mother! And if and if you were best friends in middle school, y'all, if y'all were gonna smoke, you smoked together. You He's, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I there was a kid like, in middle school that I yeah. used to sneak out and smoke cigarettes with, and he was the person that taught me. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing you'd right. experience together as young friends. And like my, if this was like a situation with me and my best friend Emma, who we've been best friends since what yeah. fourth grade, yeah, she would immediately be like. Andrea doesn't smoke. She's never smoked. Yeah. She yeah. doesn't smoke. Like, and I yeah. don't. I've never smoked a cigarette. I don't. It's just, I don't. Uh-huh. And so I think Mike kind of felt that same way. No, I get that. I get that completely. And he said, um, of all the years that he'd known Steve, he's never seen him even smoke a cigarette. And he even hated being around people that smoked. Mm, that's pretty damning. Right. Maybe. Unless you're blackout drunk and think and that you know it's what? where you're at in at life. At the same time. I get it. I Just st- like I was saying with grief, you never really know anybody. Yeah. So. And I'll also try some shit I don't normally try when I'm drunk as fuck. Like, maybe I do like cigars and I just don't know I like cigars. I could see it. Well, that was another thing. I could see that. Steve wasn't a drinker. Uh, That's why he was so fucked up. He didn't usually get drunk. Yeah. You're not getting me f- that fucked up at a murder mystery. So. I'm going to eat all the cheese sticks. <laughs> The body of every fire victim tells a story. And the major question for the forensic pathologist was, did he die of a result of the fire or not? Right? Okay. Okay. So fire investigators noticed a melted diet Pepsi bottle on the nightstand next to the bed. 
And they call this a, quote, pointer because it usually points to the direction of the fire. Okay. But other things in the room pointed to totally different directions. So, yeah, I was going to ask, where was he oriented to that? Was he on the floor? He was on the floor, right? say he was on the floor. In a a standard kind of hotel room looking thing. The physical fire damage to the hotel room was minimal. It was so well insulated that it did not have enough oxygen to spread very far. Okay. And hotels usually use bed covers that have a flame retardant on them to prevent like this, this scenario from happening, happening, right? Yeah. But That's when it, smoking in rooms was probably a pretty common thing. Oh, sure. It was, yeah. Yeah. It appeared the fire started on the bedroom floor where Steve was apparently lounging at the time of the fire. Michael Mulligan, the fire marshal, was There's a another me- M&M? There's another M&M, Michael Mulligan. Jeez, he's a fire the marshal. The Millers and the Mulligans and the Michaels and the Marys and the Marines. No, I added Mary. Michael Mulligan, the fire marshal, was immediately able to eliminate an electrical fire, heating and airing units causing a fire, and any sort of like storm lightning mm-hmm. would, that would have been a cause. There was nothing. Not, nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There was nothing else at the point of origin of the fire. It seemed it was due to a cigar. The fire marshal saying this. Mm-hmm. But they could not find any cigar butt or ashes. What? <laughs> okay. So did his ass like? Let me just. Keep okay. Going. Okay. Blood tests revealed that Steve had a normal concentration of carbon monoxide in his system. Smoke. Which was very uncommon for someone who died while breathing in from a fire. He had a normal concentration of carbon monoxide in. His oh, system. I thought you said. Oh, my bad. So next step was to examine his airways for smoke inhalation. David R. Fowler, the medical examiner, said, you have a layer of mucus that lines the inside of your airway to trap foreign particles and they get stuck onto the mucus and that, uh, they get stuck on that mucus and it is very easy for a medical examiner to find at the time of the autopsy that they died of smoke inhalation. Because of the mucus. Yeah, it's like, sure, you know, science stuff. Well, he found zero evidence of soot, which told this dude that Steve was not breathing at the time of the fire. Okay. Oh, shit. To see if it was possible possible for a cigar to start this fire, investigators did their own experiment. They got a pillow and a pillowcase and a pack of the same exact cigars. Cigars? Cigars. (laughs) Cigars. And they laid them repeatedly on them you know, in different tests to see if they would ignite. And at no point could they get the pillowcase or the pillow to ignite from this cigar. No, at no point. No, which would have been exactly what would have happened because he was burnt from if the neck up. So it would have been the pillowcase or right around his face that would have caught on fire, right? Uh-huh. Well, as and as I said, oh, I'm going to say it again. Hotels usually have a bed cover, flame retardant stuff that prevents this stuff from happening. Yeah, like that one we, we that's, I feel pretty sure that's pretty like the same thing that we have. We have one like that. You do? That bed cover like protects all that stuff. Oh. Oh, cool. Good to know I can smoke in bed now. <laughs> same sorted. It was said that one time, oh, this was, this is kind of random, but I probably should have put this up earlier, so I'll just mention it again now. But it was said that at one time at a golf event where he was working that a salesman offered Steve some like really super nice cigars. And he was like, no, I'm good. And was like, I don't know why people would even smoke those things. Just add a little 
tidbit. Okay. Investigators continue their look and dogs sniff an accelerant at the end of the bed. Like gasoline? But they could not determine which kind of accelerant was. So that evidence wouldn't be admissible in court, right? But it was enough that the fire marshal could detect that maybe the fire was now arson. Okay. So, when there was no soot in the airways and no smoke in the lungs, it told a story that he was dead before the fire started. Mm-hmm. The blood test also showed that Steve was not drunk and actually didn't really have any alcohol in his system. It was fucking arsenic or some shit. Arsenic? 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 Arson? Oh, no, like, this, like the poison, arsenic. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, at this point, everyone is now saying, like, wait, maybe Kim might have, you know, fucking had something to do with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Well, Steve had over $400,000 in life insurance with Kim as the beneficiary. See, Steve is a blue-collar G, though. She also purchased an additional $250,000 on Steve before any of this happened. 650 G's, bruh. Good math. Oof. Kim to buy strongly boat. denied being involved, but she did admit that she was having an affair. With who? Kim was having an affair with a 23-year-old Marine sergeant named Brad. Damn. Mm-hmm. So the day that she left for this romantic weekend away with Steve, Kim had actually wrote a letter to Brad about how she loved him and she couldn't wait to spend her future with him and how she really did not want to go on this trip with Steve. What could go wrong? <laughs> also, Steve obviously has no idea about this affair. Yeah. With all that being said, things would probably have never pointed back at Kim, but she was somebody who couldn't keep her fucking mouth shut. What she do? So after all of this, Kim's friends began coming forward to the police without even being asked to do so. Okay. They all said that she wouldn't stop talking about her horrible marriage, that she was looking for a way out, and she had all but revealed a plan to them that she would be able to cause the death of him and make it look like the result of a fire. You stupid woman. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, though? Police follow a lead to her work as she worked at the emergency room they follow oh, a lead back she to works her work fucking where she worked at the emergency room in the hospital yes she had access to a very dangerous drug that anesthesiologists use in emergencies in operating rooms called succinylcholine you did a really good job of saying yeah that. i know how many times you listen to the word I wrote it out um, um, <laughs> phonetically. Phonetically, that's mm-hmm. awesome. You killed it. Suck, see, no, col, in. It's kind of cheeky. Kim actually at one point had gone to a coworker and jokingly said something in the middle of them bantering, "You can kill my husband for me." And the coworker, how many fucking people you think she said that? The to? The coworker joked, "Why don't you just put him to sleep with succinylcholine, and he'll go to sleep." Forever. What? Nobody just says that. Just poison him with this drug you have ready access to. The fuck are you talking well, about? You know, you make friends. What? I joke about killing you all the time to my friends. That's how I knew how to say it so well. I'm like, I could just use 16 of oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was wondering what that pill you gave me before we recorded this was. It's not a pill. 
just falls out. <laughs> okay. So this drug is used to relax the muscles before putting an intubation tube down a patient's throat. Oh. In large doses, it is lethal. It's broken down by human enzymes almost immediately, which means it's almost untraceable. Uh-huh. Once they did this investigation and found that she had access to this drug, they actually tried to do like a test that would see if there was traces of it in Steve's body. But at the time, there wasn't a test to see if there was Because too much time had passed, I guess. I think that it like it just being a super untraceable thing. There wasn't like a specific test. It Mm -hmm. it just wasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was still late 90s. So stuff's still coming a long way, right? There were 26 convenience stores around the area of where they were. So, because investigators were like, all right, well, we need to try to figure out where these cigars came from. Okay. In one of these 26 convenience stores, the same kind of cigars was found. Only one? Being sold. And the attendant of that convenience store said she specifically remembers Kim coming in and buying those cigars, and beer. She remembers because she loved Kim's red hair. And when she asked where Kim got it dyed, Kim got super fucking pissed and was like, this is my fucking natural hair, botch. I mean, that's not what she said, but she was like, this is my natural hair. And like got, and so the chick was like, damn, I remember her buying cigars and beer. And it, you know, it was this vibrant redheaded woman and I liked her hair. And so take it as you will. Mm Mm-hmm. But she feels that she remembers this specific woman buying these things. Okay. The price sticker on the cigar, which was a whopping $2.49. Oh, so not top shelf. No. I was hoping my dude at least went out on a good cigar. I mean, he never smoked it, but. Or we don't know. Had a specific ink that was linked to the same ink used at that convenience store. So they were able, once they found it, link it back to that convenience store as well. From the receipt or like... The ink on the sticker of the opened cigars had the same ink that was used at the one convenience store out of the 26. On the little price tag? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. It was one of those like little white janky little, right? Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was was linked right back to the same ink that that convenience store of the 26 was the only one that sold the cigars and used that ink. That's nuts. So. Mm. I think we kind of know... (laughs) What we think happened. I think the writing's on the wall a little bit. Steve was a healthy dude. Mm -hmm. And there was obviously no trauma physically to him other than him being burned. And then we have all this evidence of, well, he was obviously dead before the fire. Mm -hmm. Well, Kim, knowing that the burning of the body would cover up any injection wound... Most likely poisoned him. Yeah. Injected Steve with this succinylcholine that she obviously had easy access to at her job. Damn. Damn, You're a fucking savage, bro. Succinylcholine is a very fast working drug. You just enjoy saying it at this point. (laughs) And when it's injected in a large amount, it's lethal. Yeah. There's sort of a terrifying twist to this because succinylcholine when it's first injected it just causes a paralysis and does not actually alter your level of consciousness at all 
Oh, no. So he was it probably aware. basically suffocates you, and he would have been conscious while he slowly suffocated. And not being able to do shit and about it. And she was and lit on fire. Oh, my God. That is so fucking savage. Yeah. So so homeboy like couldn't move. She was dying Steve and she lit him on fire. At a state of relaxing, whatever. Seemingly, he's dying. Would have injected him with oh, okay, succinylcholine, yeah. which would paralyze him to the point of him not being able to move. And then she would have lit him on fire Fuck. to, you know, while he suffocated and burned to make it look like he lit himself on fire which would then cover up the injection that's crazy have you seen that movie what's it called was it called what what lies beneath with harrison ford yeah and there's like the bathtub scene where she's like it's like similar to that but not to the point where like this succinylcholine would have definitely been what killed him but she also set him on fire but you know he like puts her in the bathtub and she's paralyzed and she and she actually ends up getting like feeling in her toes and is able to like drain the bathtub. It's so fucking terrifying. Except he did not. It's low key kind of like being buried alive a little bit. Super scary. Forensic pathologist said, "Quote: I wonder what Steve was thinking in that moment when he was paralyzed because there was no way that succinylcholine can paralyze terror." Ah, oh, that is fucked. Yeah. So the police at this point. Thought it was clear that there was, this was a stage killing. You know, empty beer bottles, an open pack of cigars. And there was an investigation about how a fire like this could have started. And this fire could not have been started by the cigar based off of the ashes that were not found and without the bud and all this, you know, and the way that they tested it. But the case's evidence was actually weak at this point because while there was the dogs, you know, going off, there wasn't actually proof of a fire starter. Right? Uh-huh. Or what that fire... They, Outside they, of the they, fucking they showed fire. That there was something that started the fire, but they couldn't show proof of what it was to prove that it was started. Okay. That's a little confusing. But okay. So prosecutors were forced to use a process called conclusion from exclusion. Oh. They had to rule out all other possibilities of how the fire started to convince the jury that Steve was murdered. The police having enough evidence to finally actually arrest Kim... They do because, I mean, at this point, it's about the prosecution trying to get enough evidence, but there's stuff to arrest her, right? Uh They show up at her house to arrest her. She's actually found in her bathtub where it's, like, real weird. She's, like, they're, like, trying to look through the house and her friend's there. I don't, I didn't, like, go through all the details of this, but she's, like, I got to take a bath. And while the police are there, it's so weird. And they find her finally in her bathtub where she's actually tried to commit suicide. What? So Kim has taken a bunch of sleeping pills and they find her. They take her to the hospital where she doesn't die. Oh, Um, what? But while in the hospital, 32-year-old Kim was charged with first-degree murder and arson of her husband. She spent a year in this hospital and psychiatric hospitals. Really? And a grand jury, after about this year, at this point, actually failed to indict her for the crime. Uh, it's been a year, and the grand jury hasn't indicted her. Failed to. Yeah. Well, right about the 11th hour. I I like being able to say that. She was about to be released to go home. The indictment came through. Wow. 
So in January of 1999, which is right about a year later. Yeah, yeah. She is taken to court and it's just like a fucking media frenzy. And there's so many people outside of the courthouse, obviously, because what actually happened? She's been in this. It's kind of been dead for a year. Yeah. The prosecution obviously used this affair against her as a motive to get rid of her husband, which she had been having for years and years, apparently. So fucked. The defense argued that it was just a fling and that since he was in the military, he would it would have been really hard for them to be able to have continued a relationship because of deployment and shit. But like, no. Come on. Get out, guys. Yeah. No. But it was pretty obvious with her writing this letter the day they were leaving and having this year for this affair for years that she had no intentions of fixing their marriage. Yeah. So that totally backfired on the defense. Also, Kim's friends actually testified against her in the court and during the trial. And she you was, could kill my husband for me. And what the fuck? She was seen flipping them off during the trial, which the judge had to actually be like, if you don't fucking stop, I'm going to fucking remove you. What? Like a total cunt. The jury ended up only taking four <laughs> hours to deliberate where they found after the first finger. I'm like, she's guilty. Right? Fucking guilty. So they found her guilty of first degree murder and arson. Steve, and one I'm of the things, so sorry, bro. You sounded like such a G. I like Steve. I was sad that it played out like that. Right. So one of the things that, just to close this out, was something that really made me laugh and kind of tied this story into our podcast. Okay. Kind of like the last story with the ham sandwich quote. Oh. Kim was... Was after- she dipping her tit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She... After she's been after she was in prison for a, a long time, she ended up publishing a piece for Mar- the Marshall Project, which is where like inmates. There's so many M's in this story, <laughs> right? It's where inmates and stuff can like sort of like write articles and stuff and have a voice through prison. And she wrote an article called "Quote: This prison won't let me read Game of Thrones." <laughs> and apparently, yeah, maybe don't kill your fucking husband. No, apparently. It's banned. Game of Thrones is banned because it falls under contraband. Because there's so much sex. No, because there's maps in it. Because of maps? There's maps in it. And maps are contraband. And Game of Thrones novels have maps in them. Maps Even though they're fucking fictional maps in the Game of Thrones novel. Where a brother and a sister (laughs) fuck each other. But yeah, maps Maps are are contraband. And she's pissed because she wants to fucking read Game of Thrones and she can't. Well, good. You know what? You don't get to fucking read Game and of Thrones. And that is the story and murder of poor Steve and the horrible, horrible woman. Yeah. Who is Kim, who still maintains her innocence and says she didn't do it, but come the fuck on, Kim. Come on, Kim. You couldn't keep your fucking mouth shut. You did it. You told your homies you were going to do it. Oh, there's that. Jesus. Rest in peace, Steve. You deserved better. You were a good man. Sure. Seemed like he was. He was a good guy. He didn't smoke. He didn't, he didn't even, drink. He didn't smoke. He probably didn't even read Playboy. <laughs> I hope he was. I just hope he was. I'm also like, it sucks because she could have just like. That inject- means she never left. Like that none of that, that whole, she, he was never I on just, his own. I just love that she like. She fucking injected his ass. Lit him, lit him on, on fire. And, and then left. goes to the front desk left. and is like, um, my room is on fire. I definitely didn't set my husband I, um, on fire. My room is on fire. And then the fucking front desk chick goes in and is like, I can see him. Like, what? And she, Jesus, that's fucked up. Yeah. If you, ooh, and there's 
if you, you if you want, you can Google it because there's pictures. And it's pretty brutal. The story that I'm about to tell you, mm-hmm. there are pictures as well. Ooh. And they are troubling. Okay. I'm ready for yours. So we just took a little baby break. Because you died. I fucking had the worst Jesus. sneeze attack. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. We live in Kentucky mm-hmm. and allergies. So mm-hmm. if I sound super nasally now, I just sneezed, I don't know, 27 times in a row. You earned it. It was literally like 27 uh, times. So. And you were like trying to tell me something and I just kept, I was like, what? Oh, sorry. Just, sorry. It took a long sorry. time. <laughs> also, I want to point out that I ran upstairs to pee. Because you had to pee too. I did. And I find it so funny that in our bedroom, when you, you take your pants off, that like mm-hmm. the ones you're wearing throughout the day, when you mm-hmm. change into comfy clothes, mm-hmm. you literally always just throw your wallet in the middle of our bedroom floor. Wherever the wallet falls out of the butt <laughs> pocket when I'm getting changed is where I think it's it lives. so funny. I walk up there and I'm like, reckless. why is your wallet always in the middle of our I'll do that same floor? shit, but in the kitchen too. I'll just take my pants off in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll realize that I'm like hella fucking hot. I'm like, I got a robe right now. And I'll just take my pants off and the wall. just goes there. It's why I'm always looking for the fucking I thing. I do sometimes find like your underwear and your pants like in a, like the takeoff Sweaty position, wad. like yeah. somewhere because, and it just looks like you just like, uh, spontaneously like combusted or like we're like typically. beamed up and just like your underwear and your pants were left behind. <laughs> yeah, that's really what's been happening. Okay. Sorry for the weird derail. I am ready for your story, please. Yes. Well, today we are going to go to England Mm. and I'm going to tell you a dark tale. I'm going to tell you the story of Stephen Griffiths, born the 24th of December, 1969 in Dewsbury, West Riding of Yorkshire. Yeah. Of what year? 1969. Uh, in 1969. Yeah, correct. 1969. Okay. His father was also Stephen Griffiths, and he was a frozen food salesman. His oh. mother was Myra de Horst. Myra. Moira. Yeah. Moira. <laughs> exactly, exactly how I would think it. <laughs> uh, she worked as a telephonist, which I don't know really what that means. I guess it's like a, maybe like a reception. Oh, my she God. Made, she made calls. No, it's, yeah, it's so weird that you just said that because... No shit. Like, I feel like a couple, I don't know what I was listening to, but they also were like, so-and-so was a telephonist. Yeah. And I think it was. I think it's a very a, English. It might be like no, an English name for something. That no, I have. think it's like at the time. Well, sure, probably. Yeah. But I think it was like, I would assume it's those, you know, back in the day when you like had to put the thing in and connect people. Like the, I don't know if it was that long ago, but I don't fucking know. But yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I it's 1969, know. maybe. Hmm. Uh, I said she said she calls people. Yeah, I don't know. She was also a con woman who oh. was later convicted of uh, fraud. Oh. So Moira. Moira's a bit of a cheeky. Eh? So Steven Sr. and Moira get a diver a divorce. <laughs> Which is the English version of a divorce. It's just officiated by a Scottish a guy. They're getting a divorce. Oh, we're getting a divorce. All right, here, you listen here, you fuckers. You're getting a divorce. Oh, God. Uh, so Stephen was only 13 years old. He had two siblings, but they aren't really relevant at all to the story. Oh. They stayed with the mom, Moira, despite her criminal record. All three? 
All three of the kids stayed with Moira in the divorce. Oh, she already has the criminal record after the with the divorce. Yeah, I don't have any details of her conviction, but apparently she was a con man. She was abusing her job. I'm sorry, she was a con woman. Con, my bad. Thank you for correcting my <laughs> shit. You reevaluate my biases over here. <laughs> so despite yeah, despite her criminal record, she maintained custody. It was also said in an article. This is where shit's gonna already get weird. Okay. Great. So Stephen. And I only read this in one place, and I, I almost almost didn't put it in, but I, I think that based on what's coming, it makes sense. Whoa. I, I just want to say that's what she said. <laughs> you're going to regret saying that. I read that Stephen had a habit of spying on his mother while she would bang <gasps> dudes in their garden. Oh. So Stephen would, like, watch. And, and, and the article literally said with multiple men. So I don't know if that was, like, at the same time. I don't know if she was making I money. Mean... I don't know what's going on. But I know that there, it was said that Stephen would was known to like watch his mother, so okay. I mean, she do, she can do her, but Stephen, no. Yeah, make we're sure talking your about kids the kids tucked in. Jesus Not, Christ! Stephen Senior is out of the picture now. We never see Stephen Senior again. We never see his two siblings again, and we're never really Wait. gonna. Oh, okay. This is the story of Steven. This is not necessary. <laughs> Steven's story. And I listen. I watch so much Steven Universe that I just keep wanting to be like, Steven! <laughs> but this is not that Steven. Wow, okay. So we got a troubled Weird young man. Black Steven. Having a, Steven had violent tendencies, and after the divorce with his parents, he was kind of uh, just like a free-reign kid. And he was, was he free range? He was a free range <laughs> kid. Yeah, he he wasn't in a cage. He was getting all the good nutrients. Oh my know. god, I'm just waiting for the no head, the head injury is coming. <laughs> so <laughs> he was a he was he liked to shoplift. So he would shoplift. And one time when he's 17 years old, Stephen Griffiths was sentenced to three years in juvenile prison for attacking a grocery store security guard. Oh. The guard tried to arrest him for shoplifting. Instead, Griffith sliced the man's throat. So he had a knife on him. What the? What? Yeah, so. That took a fucking. What? Okay, he, yeah. Get, just strap in because it's going to be a lot that of that. That took such a. I thought you were going to say he oh, like yeah, punched I'm, him. You I don't like, think I mentioned no, it yet. No, he slit his throat? Yeah, I don't think I mentioned it yet. I'm doing a fucking true crime podcast this uh, evening. Yeah, so. Steven. Steven. At 17 years old, was attempting to shoplift some random item, and the grocery store security guard tried to stop him, and Stephen literally slit his thro- sliced his throat. He didn't kill him. I mean, I would hope. It, I guess it was like what, maybe like a nail file or something. No, he fucked him up. Jesus. He fucked him up. He was sentenced to two years in juvenile prison. <laughs> he served one. Wait, how old was he at this point? 17. Okay. And while he was in prison, Griffiths was formally diagnosed as a violent psychopath who had a preoccupation with murder. Despite this diagnosis, they let him out of prison and back into society one year later. Okay, great. And that one year later is what year? So actually what he, how he was diagnosed is that he would confide in his therapist or his psychiatrist that he was obsessed with murder and wanted to become a serial killer. What the killer. fuck? And he's, re- a, you know, okay. That's what I was going to say. How okay, did he get hold on, a, immediately hold on associated as like a murderer when he hadn't done because that yet? He had a, he had a predisposition. He was desperate to murder So somebody. let's let him out. However, however, listen. Once he's released, 
He takes up residence. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very drunk. <laughs> you got to go first. Once he's released, he takes up residence in Manningham and enrolled in Bradford College. So I assume that this uh, this Manningham is an area inside of Bradford, which is in uh, is where he's at. It's like it's in Yorkshire, so it's like a town. It's like Yorkshire. part of the city. Yorkshire, yeah. And he's what an eight nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. He'd be. I guess he's eighteen, nineteen at this time. Yeah. Okay. So he enrolls in Bradford College now, really quickly. In England, when you get into college, your board is paid for and your school is paid for under the government. So there's no loans. There's none of this. So he has a place and he's in school. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's like always over there. As long as he's in school. Yeah. He's good. So he's studying psychology and you can, I mean, you can go on and get your, I mean, you can go as far as what he's studying psychology. Yeah. He goes to college to study psychology. No, no. No. What? This dude is. I think maybe based he did off it. of my fucking true crime knowledge, this fucker is studying psychology to know how to fucking manipulate the system. I'm putting that out there right now. I don't know this story. Well, I might... That is my. That is my like. Whatever. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I when I was originally reading this, I was thinking maybe he was doing it to oh, underst- better himself, understand himself, Fuck. and understand his. No. Uh, his Ted his Bundy. urges and things. No. Okay. That's not what I think. Okay. So, in 1989, year I was born. Yeah. No one cares. We do it every time. No <laughs> every time, nobody gives a shit. Hopefully, they send you presents. He was Just sentenced. For the year. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, wait, you. You're. It's a birthday. <laughs> Come on, another year going by. Now you was born in 89. In 1989, he was sentenced to 100 hours of community service after he'd been found possessing an air pistol that he'd been using to shoot birds with. What's an air pistol? Uh, it's like a BB gun. It's like a BB gun. You can get you get arrested. For, oh, well, I guess in he England, was still a felon. Also in England, yeah. So he couldn't. Have rules an are different. Yeah, a lot of rules are a lot different. And he would so he would shoot these birds and he would dissect them. So I don't uh, know, what? but I know oh that he got caught for that. He, I think he this actually he actually later killer. I think he later admitted to dissecting the birds no. but he was he was caught for like killing shooting birds yeah It just makes me think of that episode of Andy Griffith I don't which I, probably you're the only knows. person listening to this podcast that well, watched it. this Opie, was like 300 like, years old He accidentally kills a bird with like a, a shot yeah never mind yeah. it's it's a really sad episode. It's okay Opie I got this Which is also um what's his face Opie is Ron Howard Yeah yeah Okay. You just derailed my whole shit. Sorry. Right there. I just want you to know that. This fucker is dissecting birds like a little asshole. Yeah, like a little dickhead. In 1990, he was sentenced to two years in prison after being arrested for holding a knife to a young girl's throat. Oh, good. And she was a minor, so her name and, and all that shit's like omitted from the story, but uh-huh. essentially, and I don't know that a, a bucket of details about that. He held a knife to her throat, threatened her, didn't do it, you know, didn't commit. She. Later reported him, and he gets into a bucket of trouble. So he gets out of prison this time, and he begins cultivating a... Now, keep in mind, he goes back to school every time this happens. So he just spent two years in prison. He gets out. He goes back to school. Right. Okay? So when he's released from prison the second time, he begins cultivating a huge library of true crime books... Uh, mostly stuff on Jack the Ripper, the Acid Bath Murders, the Moore Murders, and also this dude 
is super obsessed with the serial killer known as the Yorkshire Ripper. Uh, yeah. He's in Yorkshire. Yeah. This guy is in Yorkshire. Right. Okay. And he's obsessed with these. This guy, the the Yorkshire Ripper, for anybody that doesn't know, I didn't know, he's called Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah. And he had killed 13 sex workers in the same area that our guy Stephen is in. Yeah. And he's still in prison to this day for those crimes. This, he had he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and all these things, but he was still convicted because 13 is insane. Jesus. One is an, is enough. But yeah, yeah he's, absolutely. He's a, I know a bit about that guy. He's a little, yeah, he's a fucker. So that's the kind of content our guy Steven is into. So in right. 1998, he's about 29, 30 years old. He begins dating a woman called Zeta Pinder. These, um, our stories like overlap and both have Steve's. A lot of Steve's. Shout out to Steve's. Maybe. Probably not my Steve though. The couple dated for What two- was her name? I'm sorry. Zeta Pinder. The couple dated for two years, and she never once, the whole time that they're in a relationship, goes to his place. Oh. She never goes to where he lives. Okay. Right? Is there, like... So she finally, and I don't know the circum, I don't know the personal details of that, but after the two years that they've been together, she ends up at his apartment. Wow. Okay. Okay. So when she finally fucking sees his place, she fucking dips out and dumps him immediately. <gasps> Oh God! Later, saying that his is it apartment taxidermination. What did you just say? Taxidermination. Taxidermination. Derbination. Taxidermination. It's none of that. No, unfortunately, it's none of that. Later, saying so, she dips out and she says that his apartment was covered in books on murder. There was a crossbow and samurai sword, uh, leaning against his TV. And keep in mind, this is England, like weapons and this shit. Sounds like our house. Yeah, but in England, like you can't even have like your knives and <laughs> shit know, out. I like, know. but we literally have. So I have tons of murder books, and you have lots of weapons. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, not to take the thunder of, out of what I'm about to say. Also, everything was covered in plastic wrap. <gasps> Every surface covered in plastic wrap. Oh no. She dips out. She dumps him, and. He dates a few other women, stalking at least two of them. In 2009, this dude is found guilty of harassment. Some other women came out saying he was abusive as well, doing dark shit like pouring boiling water on them what? or cutting them with glass. He's even he even got reported for breaking a girl's nose. He was acquitted of assault at one point. In 2001, Griffiths began drink began drinking heavily and started taking drugs. He also bought two lizards and frequently took them for walks on dog leashes. One of his neighbors, named Rachel Farrington, was invited to his flat and saw Griffiths feeding live rats to his lizards. What lizards are what kind big of ones are, like uh, eat rats? Yeah, big ones. Big, no. big. Ours are babies. They eat crickets and they're sweet. They- oh, no, no. Okay. No. So Griffith's former friend, Billy Parkin, stated that he once saw him eating a live baby rat. <gasps> no. In, in 2003, Griffiths earned a bachelor degree in psychology and enrolled at the University of Bradford for a PhD. A year later, being unemployed, Griffith spent the majority of his time on the internet downloading violent pornography he also quoted criminals on his myspace account so his myspace account was like ludicrous there was all these like super bizarre pictures of him 
he would he would occasionally quote fictional killers such as Francis Doloride, a necrophilic serial killer and family annihilator from Thomas Harris's novel Red Dragon. Uh, so he's quoting this dude from the a fucking Hannibal novel. Uh, and his MySpace account was Ven Pariah, which is a figure from Demonology. Right. MySpace. Uh, wow. Okay. How, I wanna, do fe- like, how do you feel about our guy so far? I'm, I want to know what song was playing when you went to that dude's MySpace page. It was like that. It was like when... <laughs> <laughs> no, in in Red Dragon, the dude would listen to like classical music while he fucking sliced and diced motherfuckers. Wait, isn't that kind of like American Psycho? Same, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I might even be thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like any of it. So we're in it now. Okay. I not gonna lie. At one point, saw le- leashes at the pet store for our leopard geckos and kind of wanted to do it and now yeah but that would be fucking cute these are like carnivore dudes yeah sweet so there there's a lot of like there's a bunch of stuff that i read about where he would wear sunglasses all the time and take his lizards for walks and people were like oh he's harmless he's just like an overgrown goth we don't really know too much about him overgrown goth that was like one of the quotes is that he was an overgrown goth don't even know what that means i don't know either I mean, it's, it's, and, and, and what's crazy is like, we're, we're going to pick up this story in 2009. So this is 10 years ago when this happened, whatever happened that happened, happened. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but nothing nice is, I don't. Yep. Okay. Okay. Let's go on with this fucking PhD motherfucker. All right. <laughs> I was giving us a little buffer there. Cause I'm about to dive in. It's it, now we're in it. That was the backstory. This happens very fast. Mm-hmm. Cool. Unable to resist his urges, Griffiths begins serial killing sex workers in the Bradford area as a way to honor Peter Sutcliffe <laughs> on June 22nd, 2009. Griffiths took a 43-year-old sex worker named Susan Rushworth to his apartment and killed her before dismembering her in his bathtub. April 26th of 2010, so we're about almost a year later, 31-year-old Shelly Armitage disappears. And then on May 21st, 36-year-old Suzanne Blamirez dies while trying to flee from Stephen. The last murder was actually recorded on a security camera just outside of Stephen's apartment. Uh It shows her running out of the apartment and getting shot down by Stephen with a fucking crossbow. What? The recording shows him the recording shows him then dragging her lifeless body into his place before returning into his apartment. He looks at the camera and flips it off. Okay. Well, uh, Hold on. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain. <laughs> Griffiths, who's our guy Stephen, would roam Bradford's red light district in the middle of the night until he found a sex worker and then he'd take her back to his third story apartment. If not counting Suzanne Blamirez, who was the last victim, who was shot and stabbed, details of how exactly he killed his victims are unknown. Though it is very likely he would fatally shoot them with one of his crossbows. Crossbow! Yeah. It was either he was stabbing them and then shooting them with the crossbow after they had died, or the other way around because he would use this fucking stupid fucking crossbow and a fucking samurai sword. No. Like a fucking jackass. No. Okay. (laughs) 
Griffiths would dismember them in his bathtub no. with power tools. Oh, oh, I don't like that. He's on the third floor of his apartment building. Yeah. And no one ever reported anything. Well, I mean. Because they just thought he was a weird dude. He would also, he also he... bred the mice that he fed to his snakes. He was like I, breeding them and I, stuff. Yeah. So Not snakes, lizards. Lizard. No. Yeah, lizards. He would feed the rat, the rats to the lizards. I don't like yeah. any of it. Also, if they were already dead when he was dismembering them, I mean, it would, yeah, there'd be loud power tools, but there wouldn't be screaming because yeah. they're already dead. So Griffiths would dismember them in his bathtub and then <laughs> cook part of no. their bodies for him to consume, sometimes eating them raw. Okay. He was partial to the thighs from what I read. What? Why? Afterward, Griffiths would place the parts he didn't consume in plastic bags and dump them into a nearby lake. It was also, It's actually called the River Air. I read A-I-R-E was where he was throwing these bodies, these body parts. He would also straight store parts of the body in the refrigerator like Jeffrey Dahmer. And he's a huge, at this point, he's a huge student of this shit. Like he's reading everything about yeah. every every you know serial killer murderer, and he idolized these people. His yeah. hope, his hope initially. Well, he obviously is. Yeah, I mean, he's like a copycat in his own way. Yeah, his goal was to kill more people than the Yorkshire Ripper, which was thirteen. Well, and it's he's targeting sex workers, which which is, is just the like same thing that so the Yorkshire killer. It's the same thing as the Yorkshire Ripper did, right? Because yeah. they have like a stigma of nobody quote caring or noticing that they're gone and that's why these fuckers go after you know sex workers exactly i read a really unfortunate article that the press did after the fact with this and they talked to two sex workers in a similar region and they talked about how mistreatment was just like a very common thing and they were both drug addicts and this and that there's actually a report of a woman whom our guy, Steven, was like, yo, I got some crack. Do you want to go smoke? And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And she got shady vibes and, like, runs away. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, very common in a lot of the, these situations. Yeah. Which is just so devastating because, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get. Yeah. And it's just. Money and, and live your life. and Yeah. And it's a lot of time to feed addiction, and there's been a lot of problems mm-hmm. that led to this. And yeah. he's preying on that, you know, because he's a fucking murderer, weirdo psychopath, literally a uh, diagnosed psychopath f- that that, sli- like that slit a dude's th- this dude slit a guy's throat, right? Gets out of prison, acquitted of an assault. He got convicted of a harassment. He murdered at least three women. Mm-hmm. that we know about there are like five or six that are missing people that fit like a similar mo uh-huh but he was never been like indicted for any of those so did he always just dis- like he always dismembers them yeah and dispose of them and eats them so he that that mm-hmm. security camera in his apartment had actually been put there to monitor him because of how much criminal activity he had had so there's a guy that works at that apartment building that's his job is to review that footage Oh my God! Can you fathom? You're like do do do. There's good old Steve. <sighs> I wonder if he's taking his lizards for oh, a walk. Oh, what's that girl? Oh, oh what that's doing, mate? No, mate. No, mate. No. Oh, fucking sure. Oh, he's flipping off the fucking cage. Got a fucking crossbow. What the fuck is going on? He's like, no, wait, no. I accidentally put the Walking Dead in. Nope, nope. 
Jesus, nope. the fucking security. That is not Daryl. You do not disgrace Daryl oh, like that. Oh, no. So, yeah, they obviously saw it. And this fucking jackass, after dragging her body, and he flips off the camera, like, with the crossbow he in hand. He to get caught. He's, he's ready I, to be caught. I think he's a psychopath, super narcissist, wanted his moment. You think? I think he wanted to keep going, but he wasn't upset that he got caught. Right. Because the, let me see. He yeah. did it. He he did. He knew it, it was on camera and just was like, all right, well. I'm going to fucking do this shit yeah. and do it in my own narcissistic asshole fucking it, way. It's also on the footage to where he drags her into the apartment, dismembers her, does whatever he does, Mm-mm. and then he le- it's sh- there's footage showing him leaving with trash bags, with junk, no. with all this stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, obviously, it wasn't like somebody watching it as a live feed. It was like... It was definitely after the fact. Yeah, it was not a live feed. Yeah. So, three days later, on May 24th, he was arrested. What year? Uh, 2010? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was 2010. When he's arrested, the police find his fucking crazy-ass apartment. And when they arrest him, he says, my name is Osama Bin Laden. Uh, okay. That's what he says. Okay. Great. That's literally what he says. They found all nature of disturbing shit in his place. They also found blood evidence tying him to the other two missing women. So they obviously come to arrest him because of the, footage. Uh, the dude sees the footage. Yeah, he sees the footage. Like, they immediately call the police. The police come May 24th and arrest his ass. Oh, my God. Thank God. When in police custody, he was marked for saying, I've killed loads way more than Suzanne. It was way more than just Suzanne and these other two. I've killed many people. No. He never revealed the remains of where everyone was. They did find some body parts in the river from when he had done that shit to Suzanne. But there's like evidence that they've never recovered. You know what I mean? The other two bodies have never been, you know, found, essentially. Oh, my God. And they did they know the 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 other women that he murdered because he like said he told them that he... Well, they were missing. Uh-huh. They were sex workers. Yeah. And they found blood evidence of those women in his apartment oh. when they run like a full oh diagnostic. And Ew. he la- and then he admitted to killing them. Yeah. God. And he when, when he talked about eating them... No. He said that it was part of the magic. No. He was like, I have to. It's part of the magic. <laughs> when he goes on trial... You get mad at me for this shit. Now you look yeah. what you're doing. I thought I, I've been wanting to do this one, but I was like, I don't know if it's, but I said fuck it today and I decided to do it this morning. <laughs> at least my, mine wasn't super heavy. I was leaving my meeting and I was like, we're doing the fucking crossbow cannibal, which is uh, what he called himself oh, when he was asked yeah. to introduce himself at his trial. He said, I'm what? the crossbow cannibal. Well, wait, no. What? They were like, can't, who? What? Your state name? your name. State your name. The crossbow cannibal. Osama Bin Laden, the crossbow cannibal. <laughs> That's a comic book that never needs to be written. I hate him. So he was found guilty of all three murders and serves a life sentence for which he's expressed no remorse. Wow. Outside of he's tried to kill himself by going on hunger strikes, trying to suffocate himself. He's attempted his own suicide many times, but has failed. Well, obviously not very well. I- yeah. So, so that, he just has life sentence, not death. I he there's zero. He's never getting out of right, prison. but not he wasn't sentenced to death. Just life sentence without correct. the possibility of yeah. parole. Yeah, correct. What a fucking asshole! What a douchebag, right? What a fucking piece of miserable garbage! 
So, fuck you, Stephen Sean Griffiths. That's the whole story. Fuck you, dude. Do you have the names of the victims again? Yeah, I can certainly try to find them again. Just because I I never, like, we always tell these stories, and to me it's always about, it's not the story of him, it's the remembrance of these poor people who were victims. June 22nd, 2009, Susan Rushworth. April 26, 2010, Shelley Armitage. Mm-hmm. And May 21st, 2010, Suzanne Blamirez. Just the ending on those women and, you know. Yeah. And some of their, some of their, guy. some of their family has never gotten closure because they've never found oh my the God. bodies. That's and that's horrible. like, that's what, that's a lot of the media. When you look up this story is the family saying, yeah, fuck this dude. We don't want to give him the death penalty because he's going to take those secrets with him. We need to know where our, where our, well, and he obviously doesn't, are. he wants to take that. Sometimes that's like the easy way out in its own yeah. way. And it seems like yeah. that's what he, and I, and that, that, security footage is like available no did you watch it no i didn't i saw the stills of it and it's fucking it's horrible he's such a sleazy little fuck you know what i mean just a grody little 40 year old student obsessed with gross shit that did bad and he's obviously fucking intelligent Ugh. all right fuck i'm done talking about that guy yeah so that's my second i think that's my second true crime right there Second or third true crime. I haven't done many. Well. Guys, Tom had the fucking heavy story this week. Thought I'd flip the script. Um, I mean, all you did was murder a husband. It was a dark episode. We'll do we'll do a we'll do an after show. We'll make it easy. Yeah, yeah. That's why we do the after show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're not only true crime, but we happen to be both true crime this week. Yeah. So email us at Hit us up. We drink and we know things podcast at Gmail dot com please review us on uh wherever you listen yeah wherever you listen fuck it yeah yeah we're up to like 71 five out of five stars on itunes which is so fucking dope and don't fucking review us if you're not giving us a five star oh my god no do you if you hate us all right but like yeah maybe don't yeah take it to itunes (laughs) no but um we're also on all kinds of other platforms yeah spotify uh stitcher Podcoin, yeah all of them all kinds of stuff anywhere that you listen to podcasts you're listening to us right now so you found us just review (laughs) us leave us some something uh and hit us up we love we love we love you guys man feedback suggestions anything we potentially might have we're we're waiting on like a confirmation for a potential like fun exciting announcement that might happen next month Um, yeah it's gonna be dope but yeah wow okay all right. I guess we're done then. I think that's the whole thing. I think we just All put right. this thing to bed. Let's go watch more Orange is the New Black. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye.